You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Eight oh seven in the morning. Sean McCluskey, Christy Simone, and you. Speaking of downtown, <laughs> yeah. Thunder Bacon is back. I saw that. Uh, so he's at the donut bar. The donut bar, right across from the uh, decrepit uh, little, oh, what is it, the bus station right there? Um, Hydra. Remember where Hydra was on the corner? Sure. Just go a little bit north, right there. Oh, there used to be the Vietnamese <laughs> restaurant, right? Used to be the Vietnamese restaurant. I think it used to be donut the Vietnamese. Bar, donut bar's been there for a while. Excuse me. That tells you how long time I was looking over there. But yeah, right. <laughs> at, so it's you know right where the corner where Hydra used to be, and just go. A little Can I bit still north. go see Johnny Gibson and get a haircut? No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> the last time. I wow. <laughs> I don't think we're doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, Lindy's back doing what he does, doing what he loves. They're in a good spot. And now you can get some world-class donuts, too. I was conversing with a young man via the interweb yesterday. And um, my, I, this is, I'm, I'm glad he's back. But I said, dude, are we going to have another location that's not downtown or fourth? Because, you know, there's a lot of Wakeys who love what he does, I, who hate going down to that, amen. To but, that okay, area. Okay, look, here's the deal. So, if you want to go see But Lindy, he tells me that they're coming. But They are, and this is why. You just have to educate them. He's right around the corner from the Pennington garage. So park in the Pennington garage. I understand all that, pay the, Sean. Pay the vig to the... No pay, one, pay the juice to the mayor God and then go, go see him. No one wants to be across from the Ronstadt Center. No, I, I agree. But that's however... Why, that's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why Margo left... <laughs> Well, that's Margo's a different Margo was a different animal down there, especially now. Um, Margo, I, she made the greatest choice ever is to leave because it just got it, it decayed. But for Lindy, he's got all those people down there that work nine to five every day, and they got to eat burgers, and they got to eat stuff, and they got to eat, and they got to eat somewhere. So that pre-made, Again. but that pre-made ordering group that's already down there that has to go down there as long as we don't keep them at home for work, they're they're going to survive. I love what he does. I just want him to He's not be down. I'm just telling you. I hear there's going to be a midtown, and well, there might be one up in our, near up near up there. Near, I heard up, that up, up near the Miranda area. I heard that for the, that's all, folks. <laughs> so I heard that might be the third one. So that's all good. I wish him the best, and I just can't wait till he does the second location. But go see him. Go see him. They're back open. They're doing what they do, and get the Farlow. Get the five twenty. Get any. I'm one sick of, them. of giving Farlow all this press for his burger. Jeez. It's we good, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, John. Uh, we do have the uh, Speaker of the House of the United States of America calling in in about eight minutes. All right. Uh, also, so, uh, Matt, what's going to happen? I didn't tell you this. I'll tell you now because you were late for the pregame meeting today. At you missed a production meeting. I'm Come just on. kidding. <laughs> Even I know what's going on. Uh, it's rare. Juan's, Juan's <laughs> going to call on one line, and the Speaker's going to call on the other is what's going to happen, so... Just to let you know. Uh, Sean, real quick, I want to do this story about uh, zero bail uh, stuff real quick for you. So Adriana sent me this. Yes, the Adriana. And it was originally in pol- uh, uh, com, which is a police trade magazine. The boys are just coming out of Poderosa, which is great. So this is from CBS News Sacramento. And they're talking about zero cash bail. So, you, so tag them, bag them, let them go. <laughs> Correct. So uh, hundreds, this is in Yolo County, California, okay? And 
where this happened. And they basically, according to CBS News, the study was spurred after hundreds of suspects, hundreds of suspects uh, were released on $0 bail during the COVID-19 pandemic and then rearrested in Yolo County. And here's the money now, because this is... Uh, How quickly were they rearrested is the question. So... Like um, days or hours? So or Laura weeks? Conover wants zero cash bail. I'm sure Rahino would love zero cash bail. But nobody right? in Tucson that gets arrested has any cash, so it makes sense. In a crime-infested town like Tucson, Arizona right now, right? Where, again, the police chief just says he doesn't have enough officers to cover the uh, the city of Tucson. Hit rewind, repeat, because that's a broken record we keep playing. Well, this is the first time we've heard it. someone in authority say it. You and I have been saying it for years. I was going to say, okay. TPOA have said it for decades, but okay, so we got a chief that says it. TPOA has never said there was not enough counts. To, uh, never. TPOA is the problem. They've been part of the problem. They've been softballing the, the city council to get their, 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 their little raises forever. Prop 209 in, to, in 2009 was, was theirs. So What did Prop 209 do? It's supposed to put 1,200 cops on the street back then. I guess it didn't got happen. That, and, no, it got voted down because everybody said, oh, you can't afford it. You're going to bankrupt the city. They oh, believed, that, they oh, believed I the lies. I remember 209. All right. So anyway, I want to get back to this real quick, and then we got to go to break. Um, more than 70. So here we go. Um, so the what they did is, in fact, more than 70% of the people released on zero bail over the 13 months were rearrested. So 70% of people on cash bail. <laughs> so 7 out of 10 went back. <laughs> Correct. You got one. You got three of them going go to the good life. That's awesome. I hear, Or they just uh, didn't get caught. I hear Holly Hunter from uh, uh, Raising Arizona yelling recidivism. <laughs> you are correct. Um, so then um, let's see what else we have here. I want to get to the. Um, you know why they'll do no cash bail here? So you don't die in jail. You don't die in Pima County Jail with Nanos. Oh my lord! How's that for a? That's why they're gonna. That's what they're gonna push. We don't have room. We can't. We can't afford. It. We can't keep them. We can't house them. We can't keep them healthy. We can't keep them upright and alive. So you gotta let them go. So, so his head just exploded. Well, no, it's again they'll spin it any way they can humanly spin it, right? As we like to say. But so think about it. Chad Kazmar just said we don't have enough cops to cover the city, right? Uh, Sweaty Pitts, the sheriff, said oh, that basically he's 150 corrections officers Short, down. Yeah. Okay. Guys are work. Guys and girls are working 20-hour shifts and falling asleep at the prison. He said. Okay. And they have kids. That's a management problem. They have kids running the quarter million dollar X-ray machine that he says isn't good enough. Who are 18 and 19 years old. That is again management. You put different people in the position he'd filled that has some experience. Yeah. Hello. All right. We got to go to break. U.S. Congressman Juan Siscomani plus the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, coming up next on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. All right. 18 in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. Sean McCluskey, Christy Simone. And let's go right on the phones. Uh, Let's start off with our good friend, Congressman Juan Siscomani. Juan, what's going on, my friend? Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, we had a, a good pre-discussion with uh, rancher John Ladd, uh, who was just amazing as always. But uh, ha- what, what, what happened yesterday? Yeah, well, great. Uh, yeah, John is uh, amazing. He's, he's, I mean, he's in the front lines of this, of this situation at the border. 
and we were able to uh, host here Speaker McCarthy and a delegation of, of my colleagues from across the country, Wisconsin, Oregon, and Virginia. And people were like, well, why, why those states? And uh, the reality is that this fentanyl crisis is hitting the entire country. I keep saying that every state has become a border state with, with this fentanyl situation. And, and they were able to get a briefing along with the speaker. And I know you'll have him on shortly here. Now, this is the, the speaker's first trip to the border as speaker of the House. He's been to the border before, obviously. But as speaker, this is his first trip. He could have gone anywhere else, but he chose uh, Arizona CD6 to come see the situation because it's so unique. It's so different. It's not just families turning themselves in this particular area in Cochise County are the really, really bad guys that are fleeing. They're in camouflage. And, and it was important for, for my colleagues and the speaker to see that firsthand, get a briefing from, from border patrol and then hear from John Ladd and other stakeholders on the ground. And it was a very productive day. Well, let's bring him on. Uh, speaker of the house, Kevin McCarthy, Kevin, welcome to the show, sir. Well, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for letting me come down and spend some time with everybody. What would you think of the border tour? You know, I've been to almost every area of the border, except right here. And, uh, you know, it's having Juan in Congress is so refreshing. This is a guy that doesn't just sit there and say, here's a problem. He's solution-oriented. You know, and the other freshmen we brought in, they're all individuals that try to find solutions. And this element of the border, Cochise, is different than any place else. I mean, it is controlled by a cartel where others are too, but everyone coming across here is wearing a uniform. They're all, all the way down to the shoes with the rugs on them, right? They don't run up to the border agents to surrender. They run from them. And, you know, it, it has the largest percentage of getaways. And what's happening is what's coming across this border. It's now going clear across the country. Even in my, I'm in Central Valley, California, we're watching fentanyl. And this is what America needs to wake up. Fentanyl is the number one killer of Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. And I want you to think for one moment. Think of your own life. Your ages between 18 and 45 is when you reproduce, create your family. The ages of 18 to 45 are really your most productive years in business, whatever you're doing, right, in your job. The ages of 18 to 45, if America ever goes to war, that's the generation that defends us in war. So every single day, 300 Americans in that age die. That's like, a, that's like an airplane crashing every single day. If that took, really took place, an airplane crashing, by the third day, the entire country would wake up and say, this has to stop. This is what's happening that's coming across our border. You know, as we toured it, Juan took us through and we watched just the backpacks, the amount of fentanyl that they have found just the last week could kill everybody almost in Arizona. So, Kevin, this we... This is a challenge that we have. So, we yeah. know, we, we're, you know, there's the overrun of fentanyl. There's, uh, you know, the cartels control the border. White slavery, sex slavery, all of this misery. We know what's happening. It's out there. We see all the videos of people coming, what, what, you know, just coming over en masse. Why is the country so asleep still to this, to this problem? Why is it just us who th thinks this is a problem? 
Well, that's the, one of the problems was who was running Washington. They wanted to ignore the problem. They wouldn't even come to the border. They wouldn't even find out firsthand, sit with the agents, sit with the mayors. I mean, this is what Juan did yesterday. We didn't just tour the border. We sat with community leaders, from ranchers, from mayors. It didn't matter which party you were in. Everybody had the same problem because there's a new problem that arises now, too. It's, it's high-speed chases. It's the schools being locked down. So what we have done with this new majority in Congress we're not going to let people ignore it anymore. Not just coming here, but if you watch, we are having committee hearings on the border. So if you wanted to ignore the problem, we're not going to let you ignore it. We're going to have people come testify. You have the understanding of who's here. So you, first of all, we're not going to sit back in Washington. We're going to come to the border, have our hearings. Then we're going to go back to Washington. We're going to move the legislation, and we're going to make sure this all changes. This country cannot sustain itself with what's happening today. We do not have operational control of our own border. Fentanyl, is, it, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. So that should be something that should be bipartisan across the board. Everybody should vote for this. But more importantly, why are the cartels not deemed or, I guess, stigmatized or even annotated the fact that they're domestic terrorist groups? Or foreign terrorists. Well, they should. <laughs> they, well, they're on our soil. They should be. No, but think about that. They should be. Because for one instance, Mexico does not have control and the knowledge of who's coming from Mexico into America. America does not know who's coming to their own country. The only people who know who's coming in and going out is the Sinaloa cartel. So if they have that much control, we need to define them exactly who they are. They are a terrorist organization that is human trafficking, that is killing people, um, that is moving drugs, that is killing Americans. That's an enemy of our country. And we need to address it as such and really put the effort behind it. So when we talk about solutions of getting this done with a slim margin in the House and where the Senate is, what are, what are those issues that we think we can get across Cross cross the uh, line here, uh, Speaker McCarthy. What do you what do you, what do you think are a couple of things that what's the low hanging fruit of solutions? Well, I, I would say first and foremost, when you bring the when you bring hearings here and people literally have to listen, because you know who'll come testify? There'll be Republicans and Democrats, and there'll be the people who are living here will show you what is happening to their area. And now you're finding it across the country because every city is now a border city, right? From the fentanyl to the individuals there and others. So I believe, one, you got to have a stay in Mexico. You can't just have amnesty of people coming through. You've got to be able to have uh, not sitting in the country first. You've got to have the court dates before it happens. You've got to maintain Title 42, because when you do send people back to their country, when they don't come here legally, what happens is it, flow, it stops the flow. It slows the flow of going through. You've got to help the border agents themselves. They cannot be processing agents. You've got to have another person who processes, and the agents need to be able to stay out there. You're going to have to have more agents because even in this sector right here, they used to have 4,600 agents when the, the number of people coming across was about 60,000. They're now below 3,400, but they don't have that because they're processing agents, and you're having 250,000. You've got to go directly to China to stop the flow of fentanyl. The president, I had this conversation directly with him in the Oval Office. You need to call Xi and say, stop the chemicals from coming. That's the heart of where this is, and you've got to stop it. In the 80s and 90s, we had the cocaine wars, and we took care of it. Mm -hmm. We went after Noriega and all the groups in Colombia that were selling cocaine or distributing cocaine. Can we do something similar now with fentanyl? You can. And the, 
you can exactly do that because what's happening with fentanyl, look at your college campuses. It's not, it's not some kid that's sitting on the other side of the track. It's some of your best and brightest. You know, this summer, six kids OD'd on spring break in Florida. That, that wouldn't make news, but you know who they were? They weren't in a fraternity or sorority. They went to West Point. And they didn't go buy fentanyl. They bought cocaine. And the six who OD'd, only four of them took the cocaine. The other two gave them mouth-to-mouth and started to OD. So this is the challenge what's happening. It's kids on the weekend buying Xanax and others. They don't know because fentanyl is so abundant, it's now being laced with it. This is what's happening and destroying the next generation. And we've got to be serious about it. And what's happening, the border is allowing it to be walked through. We found a backpack just last week. And look, you know the terrain. This isn't a flat land that you just walk across. And you know that when you have a barrier, it works. But there's little areas of the barrier that didn't get fixed because you had a waterway. So for this administration to ignore that is wrong. So we know there's a lack of will to do the right thing. What's the resources that are lacking in relation? Because some people say we should have more of our military on the border. What 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 is what does the resources side look like, Kevin? Well, you need the technology because the one thing is the cartels are making billions. And they don't have to wait every year to have appropriations. They just go through and make it happen. You know, Juan Siscomani, and I want to brag on him for a moment. He's the only freshman that got put on appropriations as a freshman. He's also on the VA Veteran Affairs Committee. And this is because we think so highly of this individual. He's going to have a direct say in how we can appropriate for this. Technology matters. We should utilize the military in the synergy with the border itself, and you should allow the border to do it. Yesterday, we actually toured where you have a UAV that could actually have sensors. We watched them, the pilots sitting in the pods <laughs> on the ground, being able to identify, talking to the border agents at the same time. But it's become a very dangerous situation because of the billions of dollars being made. So what you find is the border agents have to have the resources, but we also have great technology and great individuals that understand within the military. We had, we had a member yesterday that's a former Navy SEAL. He served in Afghanistan. And what are we finding the Biden administration is doing? Taking away the blimps that allow us to have the eyes, allow us to identify. Because what they really want to do is say the numbers are lower. No, the numbers may come down lower, but that's not what's happening on the border. We're losing the data. We shouldn't be removing items from the border that allow us to protect it, we should be adding to it. And that's what we're going to do in this new administration. All right, now we got to let the speaker go. Kevin, thanks for the time. You guys need to bring Biden back together. I'd like to see Kevin and Biden do the border together. That'd be fun. I, you know, I've invited him. He's got an open invitation. Keep working him. Keep asking. Thanks for, okay. thanks for being here. Thank you. Juan, I don't know if you're hanging on, but we'll see you on the, on the other side of the news. Wake up, Tucson, 10th through The Voice, local news and talk. Whenever I think of Star Trek, I always think of uh, Charles Heller talking about the angles of the nasals on the USS Enterprise. This almost sounds like it could be a good country western. <laughs> oh, like, a, I, was like th- a, I was thinking a bunker. <laughs> like as you're going across the prairie. I, that's yeah. not bad. A little John Wayne on the horse going... There you go. It's not horrible. It's not horrible. It's almost the voices of the West theme. There you go. That's true. Sean McCluskey, Christy Simone. And he's back, Juan Siscomani. Sorry, Juan, we let the speaker hog all the time, but we don't get to talk to him very often. So <laughs> I know, no, all good, man. It was no, no problem here. I was, I was enjoying the conversation and, uh, and and agree with all the points. So, uh, Sean, good, good talking to you, man. Always, brother. How you been, Congressman? I love calling you that. It's so I, much fun. We've been, we've been <laughs> thank you. We've been busy, but uh, but glad to be home. We were here this week. We're here for another week. And we're taking full advantage of it before we go before we go back. So you're here for two weeks and you're still working. 
See, everybody else is oh, on, yeah. their, on their hands sitting at home playing time with the family, and you're down cruising the border with six representatives. We have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we definitely take full advantage of that. I got to tell you, I do spend time with the family. I have, as you guys know, six kids. So I do kind of a little one-on-one with each of them when, when I'm here just to catch up and see what's on their mind and heart. But, uh, but definitely prioritizing uh, all this work as well. So it's, it's a balance, and that's what I'm trying to keep. So uh, Speaker McCarthy said that you are on the Veteran Affairs Committee. I am. Thank yes. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you is all I have to say. So, Sean, you have your representative here. Uh, what, would you, what, what does the VA uh, committee need to work on for veterans? Because you're mildly vocal about yeah, your I'm concerns. Very, I'll tell you right now, the VA is doing a really good job. Um, the VA is doing a really good job. You can get a couple more doctors in because my doctor left six months ago, and I still have a temporary. But other than that, I can't complain. And the, some of the advances because of COVID, like the telehealth stuff, and the telemed that you actually go in and the nurse sticks your um, little heart thing on your chest and does your breathing, the stethoscope, but it's computerized and it goes back across the country to my doctor and he can hear everything. And that was kind of cool. So they're making some advances, but, uh, you know, appointment availability would be nice. That's about the only thing you'd really work on, but therefore you need more doctors. Yeah, and I think the the shortage of doctors, nurses, the the medical team is, is a shortage everywhere, so we definitely need to prioritize it here. I got to tell you, I, I've been, since I got on Veteran Affairs, I've been talking to a lot more veterans about these issues, and I, I hear amazing feedback from from people on both sides of the aisle on this, just uh, on, on their, their medical care. I'm in two subcommittees within Veteran Affairs. One of them is economic opportunity. So kind of, you know, reentry into uh, uh, when they go from, from active duty to to civilian life, you know, how does that transition look like? How can we open... Um, opportunities for them as they as they transition into the, either the private or the public sector, but but basically employment outside the military. And then the other one is uh, on the disability side, and that that was an, uh, an important one as well. Actually, the the one that is uh, the economic opportunity, uh, the the chair of that subcommittee is uh, Derek uh, Van Orden, who was here yesterday with us. He's a former Navy SEAL. So I'll be working closely with them on, on making sure all that happens. So I, I want to hear from people on this. I want to hear the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But it seems that we've made great progress from the last time this was a big issue and we were able to uh, address it. So I'm, I'm very happy that, that things are looking much better. I do have one thing you can work on, and that is the qualification limit or the maximum um, allowable earnable income. I believe it's $22,000 right now. It was set back when Clinton was in office and it hasn't changed ever. So what does that mean? So if, you, if, if a veteran gets out of the, uh, out of the military, they don't apply for their VA benefits right away before they get a job and they get a job making more than 22 grand a year. They no longer qualify for their VA benefits, even though they earned them as a, as a combat veteran or as a veteran. Um, they take they, they don't they don't allow you to apply. They you financially over exceed your limits for the VA to give you service. So that needs to be changed. I think that's a presidential thing. I don't know how you get that to happen, but it did it was reduced when Clinton was in office. So it's been wow. there for a okay. long time. And I know a lot of guys here in town that need some help. Um, the guy, one guy I know is a handyman. He makes barely any money. He makes, tw- he makes 600 bucks every every two weeks, and he doesn't qualify for his VA benefits, but he also has VA issues. Okay. So, yeah. That'd be the only thing that I'd yeah, ask you to are, work on. That's a, that's a, a really good one to, to work on. Uh, Sean, thanks for bringing it up. I'll, I'm taking notes, and, and I, I will follow up and, and then let you know.
I mean, congressman, Congress, sorry, Congress is blowing money left and right on crap. I mean, you keep you giving money you to could Zelensky. Open up the spigot yeah. on the dough. Yeah, you keep giving money to Zelensky, and he keeps asking for more. I don't understand. But um, as a veteran, I'd like that thing taken care of. That's about it, though. Absolutely, we have to take care of our veterans. That's the priority, and and I'm and I'm glad to be on on that committee because uh, I actually needed because I'm on on an aid committee, which is appropriations. You usually don't get a second committee when when you're on appropriations or ways and means or energy and commerce and you need a you need a waiver signed and the speaker signs that waiver so i was um i was given that opportunity to to be on an additional committee because now that means that i'm in total of five subcommittees and that sometimes it's it's quite the workload especially for a first-time member but they, they believe i can i can manage it i believe i can manage it as well and that this one was i'm very proud uh, the other appropriations is going to be very strategic for all the reasons that you just heard. And this one is very close to my heart, and, and we're going to do some good work and, and better in affairs. All right, let's go to the phone, 790-2030. Let's go to caller Robert. Robert, you're on with Sean, Chris, and Congressman Siskamani. What's up? Hi, Chris. I have a comment for uh, Juan and then a question for you. Um, Juan, in order to get to a younger audience with regard to the drug problem is – if you don't have an Instagram, a TikTok, or a Snapchat, they'll never know. And they can they can lock you out if they don't like your comments, but the social media companies can push whatever message they need to push without the permission. Now, Chris, um, I'm unclear as to how the immigrants are affecting Tucson and me on a daily basis. I don't view the commotion at the intersections as being migrants, but when the hyperbole of every state is a border border state, my family back in Nassau County, Long Island, they oh, have Nassau no County, idea. my my old hood. Yeah, they have no idea how this is affecting them. If it is, so Juan, do you have an Instagram account and? Chris, can you explain how these immigrants are affecting Tucsonians specifically? All right. We'll take that off the air. Appreciate the call. We'll start with Juan. All four, all three of us can talk about the open border, how sure, it affects Tucsonians. But Juan, yeah, you I'll, go first. I'll take a first stab at this. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right, Robert. The, the uh, social media platforms are playing a big role in communicating with youth, both for good reasons and bad reasons. So yes, I, I am active on in social media, um, and and we're going to continue to do that to reach young people with the message of how dangerous fentanyl is, and to be aware and careful out there. Uh, also, the other entity that uses social media to recruit uh, drivers for for the dangerous journey of transporting migrants up to northern parts of the state and other parts of the country. The, the main way that they're recruiting young people to do that is through Instagram and, and other social media networks. So every, I think every, both sides, everyone here understands the power of that. And that's, that's one thing that, you, that you're seeing. So you're right on the fact that we need to um, be more active in that so that we can reach young people. And then, and then the other, I guess, on the other part of the question in regards to uh, how are, are migrants affecting the daily life, one thing that that the speaker mentioned that I think is very important to keep reminding everyone that even within Arizona, the, the traffic and the activity at the border looks different for every single one. If you look at Yuma, you have family units turning themselves in. 
what that what that causes on the stress there, it's on the hospitals, on the on the NGOs. They they can't afford that. So that's that's part of the issue. But these people are not fleeing from law enforcement. They're turning themselves in a lot of times as a family unit. Then what do you have over in the Nogales port of entry? You have because that's the largest port that a lot of the fentanyl gets apprehended right there uh, at the border uh, when they're trying to cross it through the port of entry. So that is the the highest, actually, the Tucson sector is the highest point in the entire country for fentanyl um, intersections. And and that's that's kind of what's plaguing, in that sense, that port. And then when you look at what we went to go see yesterday, these are not, this are, these are not family units. This is not an issue of people trying to cross necessarily through the port of entry. These are people that are taking the, the, the dangerous journey in the terrain, wearing camouflage. Now they know that before groups of 20 could be stopped by one officer, so now they're breaking up in groups of two or three to overwhelm the system. These are people that are having backpacks that have weapons on them. These are people that, that are dangerous. So, so that, that's what you're seeing in each one of the different areas. And when we talk about every state being impacted by this, we're talking about specifically on fentanyl, and that's why I keep saying that. When I talked to my colleagues from Virginia, from Oregon, and from Wisconsin that were here, and there were others, obviously, around the country, <clears throat> New York being one of the states, and Iowa uh, also, they're seeing an uptick in fentanyl overdoses as well. Not as bad as ours in Pima County. You know this is the leading cause of death among young people, but it is impacting their communities in different ways. So more than maybe the, the people that they may not see that have crossed, it's the impact of fentanyl that it's having across the entire country. 300 a day people dying uh, uh, out of fentanyl overdoses. You heard the, the example of the Florida case with West Point uh, students. This is tragic, and, and we need to address it. So in that sense, I do make a case that fentanyl is impacting the whole country. So my thing also, too, on the you know, you hear about the impact of the, quote, immigrant side of it, we are putting lots of tens to hundreds of millions of dollars of resources that we don't need to be putting into something that we're not doing in an orderly and proper manner, okay? So just let me give you the local thing. Dr. Filippo has said that Pima County, I think, has now spent somewhere between 40 and $50 million of, of tax dollars to do their program with Casas Elitis and all that stuff, that's a lot of dough. For fentanyl abatement. Well, much, not yeah. just fentanyl, but it's, it's the idea that you're processing these people and then driving them so they can go to other places in the country, right? That's $50 million that could be used for other... That's real dough. Stop the flow of fentanyl, you stop everything. And that's the issue. You need to stop Americans from dying. You need to stop the youth of America from dying. And how do you do And you need to literally control the border. And, how do you, and the reason for controlling the border is the amount of high-speed chases that we've seen with people who have three and four people in their car and then somebody crosses a median and kills an innocent family, that's the reason to stop the fentanyl flow. So, Juan, uh, real quick, and then we'll let you go. I know you got things to do. Um, let's talk about... The, the, you have, like, Democrats like Henry Cuellar who have finally publicly really shown frustration with the border. Are there enough uh, frustrated Democrats, at least from the border states like Texas that you think could possibly come over and join the Republicans on a vote for sanity on the, on the border? I hope so. I think Henry has been a lone ranger for a long time on this. Uh, the Democrats are, have in DC and, and you gotta, I got to differentiate here. The Democrats that we, that I met during my campaign uh, here and, and many that I'm still running into that supported us or, or others that are optimistic of the way things are going are very different than the Democrats that we deal with in, in D.C. with AOC and, and that, that crowd. 
that actually when we did a, a, a vote on condemning socialism, a hundred of them did not vote to condemn socialism. So that's what you're seeing out of Washington. So uh, I, I'm not entirely optimistic that we're going to get a large group that can see this. But if, if they're honest with themselves and they and, and we can put something forward that deals with the with the issue at hand and, and we don't make this bill you know, more than what it needs to be at the moment and then addresses the fentanyl crisis directly and, and on border security for more resources, I, I'm hoping that we can get some to, to join us, maybe even here from, from Arizona. I've, I've had good conversations with them. They're, they're nice people overall, but we just uh, vote differently. Uh, but I, I'm always the kind of guy that sees the glass half full. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case, and that's definitely what I'm going to advocate for. Well, we can get it through with a Republican vote only, but that, that's not what we should be doing. This should be a nonpartisan issue that we just want to protect our country and, and my, our kids. I mean, as a, as, as, a, as a parent, you guys know, this is the kind of stuff that keeps you up at night, Chris. I mean, you, you know, Sean, this is – you just don't know if something else is laced with it, if your kids run into it. We're now telling our kids, hey, don't take anything from anyone, uh, candies or this kind of uh, – all that – kind of activity that is normal for kids sometimes you're you're a little you know apprehensive about it you're nervous so this is not the way that we should be should be living and interacting and and we need to address it sorry i cut you off chris go ahead. no you're fine no i i had an unrelated question uh did you take mccarthy anywhere good to eat while he was here oh man we we ate on the run and i don't know from where but when we when we stopped at uh fort huachuca they had some tacos there (laughs) And uh, I, I, I killed five of them. I, I went for seconds. I, maybe that was not the, the you know, <laughs> acting with uh, um, a lot of class there, but I, I went back for a little more. They were good, and I don't know where they were from, but uh, I, I got to find out because they were really good. Very cool. All right, sir. Well, good talking to you as always. Thanks for bringing uh, Speaker McCarthy on the show. That was fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Keep doing what you're doing. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. All right. U.S. Congressman Juan Siscomani. If you missed our interview with uh, him and U.S. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, go to kvoi.com. Very soon, Matt pops him up pretty quick. So, my boy Richard Cheese doing the Spider-Man theme song. Here we go. Look at us. Doing TV themes today. Thanks for all your suggestions, as always. Sean McCluskey's here, of course. How we doing? Uh, let's see. What? Uh, the one thing I, I did want to get to, we were talking about no cash bail yes. earlier, and I wanted to compare it to people with bail, right? So if they, in, in relation to recidivism. Look, it's like this. If you give people free access to go to the emergency room, they, they abuse it and go to the emergency room 9,000 times for a sniffle. If you give people, hey, you got to pay for it, you got a $5 copay, that would stop half the visits for the... Um, for the ER. Now, you give somebody, hey, you committed a crime, just go ahead, have a nice day, let them walk out of the jail, no money involved. They don't care. You got to have skin in the game. So here we go. If you are, um, when it talks about um, no bail, the this is within a year in Northern California, Yolo County, their study they did, there's a 70% of them committed a crime within a year. Yeah. Okay. So no uh with bail, there was a forty six percent of them committed a crime. They got some money in the game. Right. So there's a twenty four percent difference there. But that, you go you go from seven out of ten to five out of ten. I mean it's a twenty five percent. It's a that's a good swing. Right. And, and what you do is right when you take those percentages and turn it into real gross numbers of well, people, put it in a million people. 
right? And now you got two hundred fifty. That's reducing misery. People. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand <laughs> people didn't commit a crime because you made them pay bail. Uh, felonies, sixty three percent recidivism on zero bail, thirty three percent with felon felonies. Saying. So that's a thirty percent drop in felonies, and then violent crimes. Uh, zero bail, 27%. Why are you letting violent criminals out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's start. That. So think about that. Zero bail, violent crimes, right? Hey. And then, uh, but it's 9% with bail. So it's a 16% difference in uh, when it came to violent crimes. This is what Laura Conover would like you to do. And I'm sure Dr. Uh, Doogie Hines and Adelita are pushing that way. Watch. It's going to come down to Rex Scott again, believe it or not, I think. so. That man's an idiot. Well... He, how did, I mean, honestly, how did we lose that district? Trump year and Steve Spain was a horrible no, candidate. I, and forgot, had no I money. forgot about him. All right, I got to get to this real quick. Okay. So this is uh, out of Phoenix. Uh, lawmakers passed a new bill to help people save money on rent, okay, because they're going to eliminate the rental tax. That's okay. a good thing. That's a good thing because that's a double tax, and it's something we fight. And Berto Lopez and I and all the guys down here in property management and, re- and real estate fight the ever-living dog crap out of that with the city council. SB 1184 would get rid of the rental tax. Um, Steve Kaiser from Phoenix, I think he's the, yep. one of the sponsors. He, well, We should not be targeting and harassing renters because they're renters. Why should they pay a tax and other folks don't? It's a terrible tax policy. It only targets one group of people. It only benefits one person. It only benefits one group of people, and that's the government. The government gets extra taxes. You're, it's a double taxation hammer, and that's why it should be illegal. So Republican leaders say the rental relief will save tenants in 70 Arizona cities and towns between 20 and $200 a month. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's literally double taxation because the owner's paying property tax. They pass that along to the renter because it's in their total monthly bill. But then you have to pay an extra tax that goes straight to the city or the municipality that has that tax in place. It's a, You're screwing the taxpayer. Currently, flag, uh, Tucson does not have a rental no, tax. No, sir. We fight it. I'm telling you, every single time. You can't, you can't afford it here in Tucson. We're the working poor. So let me get Sean riled up with four minutes left to the show. Uh, racist Katie Hobbs was asked Wednesday if she would sign the proposal when it hits her desk. She seemed to imic- imic- uh, indicate it's more of a gimmick than good policy. This lady's a stone-cold idiot. Uh, hold on. These are not savings that are going to be passed on to the renters, and that's the really key piece for me. So what she's saying no, is no, 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 no. it's going to help, she's gonna help you fat cats. No, she's too stupid to understand. She doesn't understand that rent's 2200 and there's a 5% tax on that. That 5% comes out of the tenant's pocket. It doesn't go to the owner. It goes to the damn municipality. <laughs> How stupid is this lady? And then, of course, the league is cities and towns are coming out against it because they want the money. They want their vig. They want their juice. They want their... their it's, it's literally a mob-like graph. It's literally... It is the vig. That's what you're... You're paying the, the juice on the money. So the bill was mostly passed along party lines with only one Democrat voting for it. Then the Democrats don't understand the, 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 the viability of this bill. They're too stupid to get it. So think about this. We keep hearing it from local Democrats who... Basically, for the last 30 years, have killed development in this community, right? Katie Hobbs, she vetoed the last bill because it didn't have enough for affordable housing. Hello, lady, this makes housing more affordable. How can she be this dumb? Again, they're not... Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. They're, they're not for affordable housing. That's not their thing. The, it is so to her thing. She well, said the reasoning <laughs> for for, de- for vetoing the budget was that did not include enough for affordable housing and expanding it. Well, this gives more money back to the people that are renting. 
right? As 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 when it gets to the idea that they've already fat, so they say it's going to help help you help you fat cats in the rental business and not help the people who are paying it because she doesn't understand it. She well, doesn't understand where the oh, money's going. Oh, she she understands it. Well, then, city of Townsend, the <laughs> city of leagues and Townsend, whatever the hell it was called, they're Remember, out, they're funding her campaign. Then that's all I can tell you. It's literally how she's just couching it, right? Democrats have been changing the what what things mean for the last so many years, and this is just another way of spinning it. And Rahina does the same thing. Rahina said the other day, "We need more money for affordable housing," yet she doesn't do anything to promote affordable housing. Ever, we're planting trees. Take that money and go give it to the people who need housing. <laughs> I, I can do it with a budget all day long. So when we were just talking about when uh, our nice listener asked about the effect of immigrants on towns, right? And I'm talking about just at the county, right? $41 million going to house In immigrants. Redistribution them, and then drive them. And then shoot them all across the country, right? Well, do you think that $41 million could go to... An affordable to housing affordable? program? And right. you might be able to give somebody like 600 bucks a month to live? Right. And then... They're not getting much for 600 yeah. bucks a month, but... All right, we got a minute. What's what's McCluskey doing this weekend? Uh, we're gonna go to the track on Saturday. Uh, Max getting bigger. He's half the size of my daughter, almost bigger than my wife. Oh my it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's cool. That's um, amazing. He's got that goofy little head shaper helmet on. Um, I saw that. He's okay. One out of two kids have a flat head. Think about this. I think it's a, a, a ploy from the medical industry. They tell you when you have a baby, lay them on their back. Don't put anything in there. And then what causes the flat spot? They're laying them on your back. Then they come out and say, hey, you put this $3,000 helmet on the kid. Oh, so currently it's lay them on the back. Yes. Where when my kids were babies, it was on the side hey. because remember we worry about SIDS? Yeah, nothing in the nothing in the, in the the area where they're sleeping and all that fun stuff. I mean, yeah. they literally had a thing that you, you it was like a, like a little, like it looked like a, fo- a, a, a shoehorn. With a little adjustable sides. Yeah, sm- swisher. And, right, and you put your kid in there so he wouldn't be able to turn and keep him on their side. Yep, yep. But now they're saying on the back. Yeah. <sighs> Gotta love it. Medical. Thanks for a nice day. Always, brother. Have a good time. RVRTO.com. I'll see you at the track tomorrow. We'll see you everybody tomorrow. And if you missed the Kevin McCarthy, KVY.com. <laughs>